Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the church behind the program, how to contact us, and learn more about the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 6, 11 through 18, called The Cross is the Answer. Galatians 6, 11. He says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Letters could be falsified in the ancient world. Someone could say they wrote a letter. They could write it in your name and claim it was from you. And you guys, if you've studied any of the manuscript evidence for the scriptures, you know that there were some false Gnostic gospels that came, came a couple hundred years after the fact. And they were allegedly written by Peter or other apostles. And they're simply false gospels. And that's easily provable. But Paul may have written all of Galatians with his own hand. Some people say the large letters refer to maybe some bad eyesight. We don't know for sure. But Paul, at some point, picked up the pen. Now, in uh, the letters that are written in our New Testament, uh, Paul and perhaps others would sometimes use what's called an amanuensis, something like a scribe or a secretary. The way you could imagine this is if you were in a company and maybe you had someone you could dictate a letter to, they would write down your words. It was what you were writing but, or what you were saying, but they would actually write it for you, much like a secretary or a scribe. That's what Paul may have had. Sosthenes may have helped him uh, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians. But here, Paul says, I am writing these letters with my own hand. It's to signify authentic, authentication and importance. The Apostle Paul, the converted Pharisee of the Pharisees, wrote the letter to the Galatians. I've written this. I want you to understand these large letters with my own hand. Sometimes when we get an email from a friend, they might end it with all caps. And uh, maybe you have a friend that every email they send out is in all caps. Anybody got a friend like that? All caps, exclamation points. Let's go to lunch! Okay, calm down. <laughs> you know, you, you can go lowercase on some of this stuff. It's, it's all right. And some believe that Paul uh, did uppercase letters. They would, the, the scribes, if you've seen Greek manuscripts, would write in a cursive style. And he may have changed the form of the letter or the size of the letter to emphasize the point. This is me. I've written this. And this is extremely important. It's to get our attention, to show us how important this letter is and how authentic it is. Those who desire, Galatians 6.12, to make a good showing in the flesh. That's been the problem with this whole Galatian letter, and that is a problem with man. We are tempted to try to impress with what we do on the outside. And they try to compel you to be circumcised. In the day, that's what it was about. It was about this uh, religious sign. For us, it could be that someone says, unless you're baptized in our baptistry with our pastor, according to our formula, you cannot be saved. Others say, unless you do this or that, unless you, you know, go door to door, unless you do this, unless you keep these 20 things or these 10 things, you cannot be saved. That's not what the gospel teaches. The, the gospel says you must look to the merits of another. You must look to his sacrificial death. Don't let anybody, look at verse 12, compel you to do something just for the outside for show. Whatever it may be, brother, sister, friend, please don't kowtow to people putting pressure on you to compel you to do something just for show. 
Don't do it. One reason they are so popular, living Bible, these false teachers, and avoid the persecution they would get if they, they, they're avoiding the persecution they would get if they admitted that the cross of Christ alone can save. They try to compel you to do something for their own reasons, and they do it to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Jesus Christ. They try to get you to fit in, try to get you to go with the flow. Look at, uh, for a moment, Galatians 2, 3 and 4. They even did this to the Gentile uh, Titus, Galatians 2, 3 and 4. Not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised but it was because of false, the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked to, in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. Don't let anybody bring you, back to Galatians 6, into bondage. They were trying to sell the, the uh, Gentile believers. This is what you have to do to be saved. You've got to keep the food laws. You've got to become, you know, circumcised. And Paul was saying, that's not it. The outward sign means nothing. And it can have significance, but it means nothing unless you've been changed in the inward, in the heart. You could, we could fill up the baptismal up here and I could dunk people a thousand times, but if your heart's not changed, that water means nothing. The water has great significance if your heart's been changed. The water pictures the gospel if your heart's been changed. It pictures the cleansing of the blood of Christ. But if you go into that baptismal and you're not born again, I could dunk you a thousand times. I could hold you under, uh, you know, you might have a, a revelation or you may even kind of meet God. Who knows, you know, if it was too long. But that's not going to make you spiritual. The outward doesn't change you. The inward changes you, then the outward follows. Everybody with me? That's what Galatians has been about. Paul's been saying, there's nothing wrong with circumcision. It's the mark of the Abrahamic covenant. Of course, baptism is something we celebrate and we practice, but we got to have first things first. If you decide to eat a kosher diet as a Jewish person, fine. If you want to keep the Shabbat, fine. But don't think that that is what saves you. Christ saves you. That's what Galatians has been about. Jesus, Matthew 6. Let's flip over there together. Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is warning in verse 1. He says, beware. Matthew 6, 1. Whenever Jesus says something like that, watch out, beware, look out. I want to take notice. Beware, Matthew 6, 1, of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. Look at verse 2. When therefore you give alms, you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be, notice, honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Skip down to five. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. And then all the way down to 16. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Back to Galatians 6. You're fasting. You go up to your buddies and you say, oh. 
It's 9.30 in the morning and I haven't eaten all day. <laughs> but I tried to wash my face and clean things up, but I'm, I'm starving. I'm miserable. Now, if you're a teenager, I understand that. You guys got to eat every half an hour. We, we understand. That's, that's a long time. But look, here's the point. We don't want to do what we do to please men. And Jesus said this of the religious leadership of the day. He said, basically, you want the approval of man rather than the approval of God. Which, did you, which one do you really want? If you get the approval of, your man, of man, that's your reward. That's all you're going to get. If that's what you're looking for, if you're looking to get props from people, high fives, kudos, that's your reward. So you better enjoy it while you got it. Because you'll have no reward in heaven. If you're doing stuff for show, if you're doing stuff because someone compelled you to do it and it's not being compelled by the Holy Spirit, all it is is dead religion. And I'll tell you what, you can have it. You can have it. I don't want it. And that's what Paul is saying. I've, I've tried that. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. According to the law, blameless. Philippians 3, imagine that. According to zeal, I persecuted the church, but you can have that. That's all a bunch of garbage. Literally, Paul says, you can put that on the dunghill. I want Christ. Amen? And those of you who have come from a background where religiosity was all an outward show and there was no heart in it, you know what a, what a frustration it is. Because all you're trying to do is impress people instead of knowing God. People even wouldn't confess Jesus openly in the Gospel of John for fear of being kicked out of the synagogue. For those 6.13 of Galatians who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. That's what Jesus said to the religious leadership. You go land and sea to find a convert. You make them twice the child of hell as you are. You don't even keep the law yourselves. What are you trying to convert them to? But they desire to have you circumcised, 13, that they may boast in your flesh. It's kind of like saying this. It's another number we put on our list to report to our higher-ups. Hey, look, we got another one. We got another one. You got another one for what? And to what? What did it accomplish when it comes to eternal realities? What did it do for the kingdom of God? Where did you get them to? If, if pastors get together and talk, and this happens in the pastoral world. Here's one of the first things that's said by pastor to pastor. How many people go to your church? And I heard a pastor say, he started responding to that question that he tells other pastors, we have between 15 and 20,000 people. And uh, the pastor's like, whoa. He said, what I literally mean is between 15, one, five, and 20,000. Somewhere in there. <laughs> You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael Lance on Sunday, September 27th for a discussion about suicide with Stand to Reason's John Noyes. Suicide's a leading cause of death in the United States. It's an issue that's touched us all in one way or another. Whether it's something you wrestle with personally or it's a friend who's struggling, it's at the center of our cultural conversation. Join me as I seek to give you some tools to address suicide in your own life or in the life of someone who's close to you. We're going to do this by answering three questions. Why is this important? Why do people contemplate suicide? 
and what can we do about it? It's time we start thinking biblically about suicide. The 633 event, Thinking Biblically About Suicide, is Sunday, September 27th. For details, call 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. For those 613 of Galatians who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. That's what Jesus said to the religious leadership. You go land and sea to find a convert. You make them twice the child of hell as you are. You don't even keep the law yourselves. What are you trying to convert them to? But they desire to have you circumcised 13 that they may boast in your flesh. It's kind of like saying this. It's another number we put on our list to report to our higher ups. Hey, look, we got another one. We got another one. You got another one for what? And to what? What did it accomplish when it comes to eternal realities? What did it do for the kingdom of God? Where did you get them to? If, if pastors get together and talk, and this happens in the pastoral world, here's one of the first things that's said by pastor to pastor. How many people go to your church? And I heard a pastor say, he started responding to that question that he tells other pastors, we have between 15 and 20,000 people. And uh, the pastor's like, whoa. He said, what I literally mean is between 15, one, five, and 20,000. Somewhere in there. (laughs) He usually doesn't clarify it because we know where people are going. We want to impress one another with how many people go to the the building. But that's, that's not the end all. That could say something, but really what matters is, are we the church? Amen? That's what Paul is saying. If you get an outward sign done to your body because someone forced you to, compelled you to, and then you're another number that they can write on their list and tell their higher-ups that they've done good. It's nothing. It means nothing. In fact, it might even be counterproductive. And Paul even says that part of the reason they do that is they don't want to be persecuted for the true gospel. See, there's a way to navigate your Christian life, brethren, where you can just kind of keep everything on the down low. You can be a secret agent Christian, you can. Oh, you can hide it. You can not confess it. You can not, you know, deal with it. I'm at work. You know, we need to separate uh, religion from the workplace. And I'm not telling you to share the gospel when you're on the clock. But if you live the gospel, you'll probably have opportunities to share the gospel at lunch. Amen. See, this is what we're talking about. But may it never be, God forbid, New King James 14, far be it from me. May this be the furthest thing from my life, says Paul, that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, I died to Saul of Tarsus. I died to those things. I'm not trying to count my life in that way anymore. I'm not going to boast in anything except the cross of Christ. 
One writer says, we need to remember that boasting is how we verbalize confidence. It's how we make hope audible. Often we boast in objects we think will provide us with a happy tomorrow. Could be a reliable person, a reliable car, a pair of shoes, even ourselves. For the apostle, this means we're to see the cross as the source of every good in our lives or in the world. It means we're to put zero confidence in anything else, knowing the cross alone secures a bright future for us with God. You can put a cross on a building. You can wear a cross necklace. You can even tattoo a cross on your body. But it's another thing to die to yourself and walk in the way of the cross. What Paul is saying is I've died to worldly pursuits. I've died to letting people define me by their definitions. I am going to let the cross define me. In fact, he says in Galatians 2.20, take a peek with me, I've been crucified with Christ. In verse 19 of chapter 2, I died to the law so that I might live to God. That stuff's behind me. I have been crucified, Galatians 2.20, with Christ. And what? It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I've been crucified. I have to be put out of the way now. It's not about religious performance. It's about reconciliation. It's not about putting on a show to impress my uh, zealous buddies who are also Pharisees. It's about whether or not God is pleased with my life. That's the way I want to measure things. Once you turn to one book to your right, it's Ephesians chapter 2. Let me show you some of the implications of this. And as you turn there, I know we're all seeing the tension in our world right now. And one of the things that the cross of Jesus Christ does is it answers all that the deepest questions of life. And when we are reconciled to God. We're not only reconciled to God through the cross, we're reconciled to one another. See, this place is a very unique place because this is a place that the church of Jesus Christ gathers. And we're all different. We have different skin color in this room. We come from different backgrounds, different countries of origin. We have, some of us grew up in maybe, you know, middle-class neighborhoods. Some of us were poor growing up. Some of us had a lot of money. I grew up with a single mom who was a waitress in a very poor neighborhood. But I had grandparents who helped us, and it's really the only way we made it. And you, you have your own situation. And I found my way to the foot of the cross in my early 20s by the grace of God. And the Lord began to teach me that this, this thing called the church is such a special, special thing. It's, it's imperfect because it's filled with us. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but when it's right and when we're loving each other the way we're supposed to, the cross reconciles us to God and to one another. This is what Paul is saying in Ephesians 2. Take a peek with me. Verse 13. Now, Ephesians 2.13. In Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 14. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace who made both groups, Jew and Gentile here, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. How will the walls come down in Christ? By abolishing in his flesh the enmity. That word enmity can, can speak of strife and division. 
which is in the law, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that he, that in himself, he might make the two, Jew and Gentile here, uh, you know, the ancient struggle between, between these two people groups, make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. That, and might reconcile them both in one body, that's the church, to God, how? Through the cross. By, by it having put to death the enmity. The enmity dies at the foot of the cross and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access. We could say we all have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household. You are God's family. If we cannot set the bar here, we are lost. If we can look at our own hearts and pick up the themes of the world and do the same stuff and everything that shapes our worldview is just the voices we're listening to out there and we're not letting the Bible inform how we look at people and how we deal with people, then what are we? We're just another group of people that comes together and shares our opinions. But all ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? Huh? Okay. We're reconciled by the blood of that cross. You've been listening to The Cross is the Answer, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 6, 11 through 18. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available for free on just about every podcast app available. We appreciate you subscribing and following Walk in Truth. Remember, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, I've been a Christian for over three decades, and sometimes I forget that the cross is the answer for me, too. (laughs) You know, after we've been walking with the Lord for a while, we, we sometimes can think that we're, we're not going to make any mistakes or we've got this whole Christian thing together. But the truth is we don't. And sometimes we beat ourselves up for our failures and, and I certainly understand it. And none of us want to excuse any, uh, time we stumble or sin. But look, the cross is the answer for you, my friend. If you're a pastor listening right now, if you're a longtime Christian leader and, and you've been, You've had a little bit of a stretch where you've, you've disappointed yourself. Find your solace in the cross, in the grace of God, and move forward. Don't look back anymore. Stop beating yourself up. Rest in the grace of God that you preach to others, that you've shared with others, and move forward. Press on. Hey, we don't excuse our sin. We're not going to do that. But we're going we're gonna <laughs> to rejoice in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Remember, he said, It is finished, and it's finished for all of us who have trusted in him. So move forward in your walk with Jesus Christ. Well, on Sundays, uh, I am the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and I'm one of several pastors that serve at the fellowship. It's a great church. Two Sunday morning services I'd like to invite you to, 9 and 11, 15 a.m., and we're right off the 91 freeway, Lincoln Avenue exit, 1009 Arsenal Way is the address. You can think of the Armor of God, 1009 Arsenal Way. And hey, if you've ever been thinking about 
coming out and worshiping with us and taking in a live service. We'd love to have you. And you can watch this live stream, but again, that's no substitute for fellowship. If you can make it, if you're somewhere close, come on out. We'd love to have you. 9 and 11, 15 a.m. You can get info, directions, uh, service times, all of the above, and much, much more when you download the Living Truth app in your app store or go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab and you'll get all the information. Now, I want to acknowledge some givers who have been partnering with us at Walk in Truth. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for all of you who partner with us. Uh, When you give to this ministry, you allow us to reach more people just like you. And here's a list of more people that I'd like to just say thank you to. Julia in Chino Hills, Andrew in Chatsworth, Robert in Thousand Oaks, Renee in Bellflower, Judy in Anaheim Hills, And we even have an anonymous donor who uh, gives to us regularly. And thank you, anonymous. We we appreciate all of you. Hey, I tell you, it means a lot, folks, to um, have people take time to say, walk in truth matters to me. And we we believe that getting the truth out really matters. It's huge for us. And we want to expand on more platforms, more stations, and you're making that possible and I just want to say a big thank you from myself, uh, Rob Newton, Mike Massaro, our entire staff. We appreciate it deeply. And we will see you next time right here on Walking Truth. God bless and have a terrific weekend. We'll see you soon. And join us next week for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 6, 11 through 18, called The Cross is the Answer. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.